When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The Irish for 100 is cad. It's also the Irish for first. So in a way, today is a special day because it is our 100th episode. Headstuff Studios in Dublin, welcome to Mother Folklore, a podcast about words. Irish. Irish words. And words from Ireland. I'm Dark O'Shea. I'm Clodagh McGinley. And I'm Pat O'Connick. You're all very welcome today. We're having a little bit of a party here in the Headstuff Studios. Yeah, and, yet, and yet you've only served water. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, just because we've reached 100 episodes doesn't mean I'm not a cheap fucker. <laughs> I thought you were going to throw in, like, drink responsibly or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) Never. (laughs) This podcast is brought to you by our friends at Irish Water. (laughs) Friends at Irish Water. They're not as bad as that. Use discount code MOFO and you won't have to pay your water charges. (laughs) Not a discount card. Please, please keep that in. (laughs) (laughs) So, what we thought that, you know... I mean, we'd start off today, before we are going to look at some of the correspondence, we received some congratulatory and cautionary correspondence from our listeners to September before that, we just want to talk about the journey to getting to 100. Clodagh, how have you found the, your mother folklore journey? It's been pretty fantastic. I mean, I was a latecomer, as we all know, or at least I know I was a latecomer. <laughs> I only started in November 2017, I want to say, and the show started in August 2017, I think. Um, But yeah, it's been really, really amazing to see the show grow. It really, really has. It's gone from strength to strength. Um, Cliche, cliche, cliche. (laughs) (laughs) I know, in all seriousness, it's great to be a part of something so special and unique. And I feel like we've actually done quite a good job, not to toot our own horns, of building a bridge for the Irish language. Not putting it lightly in terms of people who really do love Irish but they're still terrified of it or you know they have a really big interest in it and they didn't know where to start and then Mother Fuckler came along and yeah. It's been a it's been a fun a fun part of that for creating space. <laughs> creating space wasn't there before. Patter, how's your Mother Fuckler journey been? Well as you know I'm doing this part of my community service so just <laughs> just a hundred more episodes and I'm I'm free. Uh, I know it's been brilliant. It's 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 been a fantastic experience. It's great to see something that's enjoyed by so many people um around the world. And, and you know, it's a testament t- to you, Derek. Like you you started mm-hmm. this initially, of course, to cynically flog books. But I think it's grown <laughs> I think it's grown beyond that, uh, because you know, you've already 
you've already, you know, you've already extended the house and bought the new car and, you know, you've taken <laughs> your four foreign holidays. So, like, the book sales are grand. They're taking over. You're just doing the podcast now out of the out of the love of it. And I think that's great. That that sort of, that altruistic streak in you, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's commendable. Absolutely. I live to give. And, you know, <laughs> and it's just been, um, it's been a wonderful level of engagement to actually, it's, um, uh, yeah, to to find people have gotten in touch to say how much they've enjoyed the show, to have people talk to, talk about that online and offline, or about the things that are mentioned between the actual podcast itself and the very associated projects. And we especially love meeting people at live shows. So if we are going to be doing um, some live shows this autumn. We, you'll hear more about that later. Yeah, can't wait. Cork Podcast Festival, yeah, Cork Ooh. Podcast Bye. <laughs> yes, it's going to uh, be wonderful. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot then, Dara. <gasps> what is your top motherfucker memory from the first 99 episodes? From the first 99 episodes, I think I think if I was going to pick like one particular one particular motherfucker memory, I have to say it was our live show in the Sugar Club. I felt like we really arrived. I felt there was a real rock star energy in the room. Uh, the engagement we got from the crowd, there was so much excitement about the presidential election. There was, it was a real buzzing moment. I'd also say possibly the... We did a live show the night before the referendum on the Eighth Amendment. Uh, we went into myself and Nima went into this room in in Smock Alley Theatre in Dublin, and it was like I thought it was you know the way at a football match everyone's wearing the same jersey. It was just repeal jumpers all across the room. <laughs> the official motherfucker replica kit. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it was just there was so much energy at the moment. I think um, I think Garagine was just, was was flat out in leash with exhaustion, and Patter was was attending to the arrival of a. Uh, a new tiny little motherfucker. Oh, no, the, the, the day before the, um, yeah. I was canvassing. <laughs> <laughs> I was out canvassing the day before, um, the day before the referendum. Before you were rudely interrupted by your son. Before I was rudely interrupted by the arrival of my baby boy. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How inconvenient. You'll listen to this in 20 years time and be like, really? Really dad? <laughs> Thanks dad. I know yeah. my place. <laughs> but I think the live shows were, were those particular live shows in general were, were moments where I really felt that, that, that there was an energy in Ireland, Ireland was changing, and a motherfucker was a small part of it, and we were just there, and and the Irish language was there, and the the actual Irish people there, there was, and I felt it was just nice to be kind of flowing along the same groove. Yeah, Claudia, what, what was yours? Mm. I'm going to be really egotistical and say no, it was all about me. No, 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 <laughs> no. Good I episode. Think, but, you know. <laughs> I think my favorite memory. I really enjoyed the Colin O'Regan episode, I have to say, the baby names one. I that really was, enjoyed it. It was a just, lot of fun to listen to. It was just fun. fun. Yeah, it was. Just, and there was a really nice atmosphere that day, I feel. And it was just, yeah, it was a really, really nice time, I feel. But I mean, it's like that, like, you know, I hope it comes across through the recordings too, that like, you know, there is such a good atmosphere when we are recording, you know, and it's a really pleasant place to come, you know, and I feel like we all do really enjoy it. So, you know, yeah, it's really nice. Really nice to meet nice people. It is. That's my favourite memory. That is my favourite memory. Excellent. Yeah. How about you, Pops? Uh, yeah, um, it's tough. It's tough to choose. I'm down to two. And um, while you were attending to the birth of your own uh, special bundle of joy, uh, a few of us filled in in the hot seat for you. And in order to sort of carry the podcast without your guiding hand, we relied on a stellar uh, set of guests. They were really, mm. really spectacular, and they really, they really helped lift the show at a time when the energy could have flagged because you weren't around. And uh, it's really hard to pick one of them. Uh, you know, uh, 
Leishak Nikushla was amazing talking about the queer dictionary on Fuklaratuk. Uh Brianna Brianna Perkins, that was just she was so brilliant. She was so mm. warm and engaging and funny and uh you know, you don't often get to interview uh, you know, a former Rose. Uh it was a lot of fun and the Aussie slang stuff was, was brilliant. But my favourite was probably Martin Makanomara. We came in and talked about the Irish uh, history of food. And, uh, you know, we got to talk about coddle. Garadine <laughs> Garadine was in the room with us and she was not she was not too keen on coddle at that stage. But she has since jetted off to Finland and she's tried the Finnish version of coddle. And I think she's a convert. And when she comes back, we're going to have to cook her up a big, big pot of coddle and see if, see if she can handle the Dublin version. I've agreed with Tony Groves, who is a another podcaster and, and who I see was another coddled advocate. That he can, he can. I believe, li- I believe we're called coddle acolytes. <laughs> that he can live stream me eating a bowl of coddle because I haven't had it in so many years. That he, if if my reaction is disgust, he gets the pleasure of looking at that, and if my reaction is enjoyment, he gets the satisfaction of beating me in the argument. So he is a it's a no lose situation. And oh. I think it's brilliant. We'll all go up the diggers and have a rake of pints and a big bowl of coddle. <laughs> be superb. God, I'd love to be in the diggers now. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it's yeah, we, um, we've um, we couldn't find the, fit the rest of the gang in the studio today, but I mean, they've um, they all send you our beloved listeners their best wishes. And without further ado, I want to hear some correspondence from our listeners who have sent in some inquiries, questions, and general remarks about the show. Welcome to My Life 5, episode 100. (laughs) (laughs) Achorte. A year ago today, a friend of mine tagged at the Irish for into a tweet conversation we were having as I'd been playing around with Google Translate and sending them its funny translations. That night, I downloaded Motherfuckler's first few episodes. From the moment I heard Garadine's rant about the letter V, I was hooked. I reset the progress data on Duolingo for my Irish course and started again from scratch. The previous attempt I had made to learn our native language was a disaster. None of the words were going in. I had no reference point for them. But after discovering the podcast and the Twitter account, it was like this secret society on Twitter suddenly became visible to me. Within a few weeks, I was able to read more of the tweets from me. I took on someone's, Oscars I think, to watch some kids shows as by December, I got to the point where I needed more structure. And from Cunnernagwega, I found a teacher whom I have been having lessons from since January. I've written a few short pieces, Asgailge. Started progressing through books, from toddler books through to now on the five to eight age books. And had a bit of a problem spending money out on Schuppelauer. I've used some Irish with my dad, who has always claimed to have none. But one, he corrected me on one bit. And two, he was responding in English to what I was saying. And seriously, I was so proud to have had that interaction with him. Every one of your contributors have helped in some way or another through social media and sometimes your guests too. I look forward to Friday so much to hear more Fuckle, Geige, Fuckle Geige, Agus Fuckle de Heron. Lamas, James. James, thank you so much. It's just an, that's an absolutely lovely message to receive. And I'm just delighted that we helped you along your way. Yeah, it's lovely. That's really yeah, nice. It like, really is. Really, I mean, I'm a bit disappointed that it was Gardine's rant about the letter V <laughs> started it because V has a valid place in the Irish language and always has. But we'll park that one for hmm. another day. B H A L I G. I would be honest with you. We have all at one stage gone through that problem of spending money at a shuffle hour. It mm-hmm. is. Uh, it's such an easy place to just part with your week's wages in. Very true. Very true. Just got to walk in there, and make it rain. <laughs> 
just spreading the Benjamins. Grania's <laughs> wondering why I'm throwing notes at her head. It's like, yeah, 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 yeah. Fonia's made out of solid gold and everything. <laughs> <laughs> with the diamante. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Walking out with a solid gold crock over my head. <laughs> Not sure they sell boats. Not sure. Yeah, sure. Look. Sure. Look. So, thank you very much, James. And our next message is coming from Mindy. Hi, guys. I sent this to you via Facebook Messenger, but wasn't sure if that was the best way to go. So, I decided to email it to you as well. Sorry for the repeat. If you've already received it, I purchased Mother Folklore when it came out, and I love it. I just started listening to the podcast a couple of months ago. Fantastic stuff. So, I have a question about the best programs to learn Irish. Forgive me for the length here. I am from Arizona and now live in Memphis, Tennessee, where there is a small Irish-American community that is wanting to do some Irish lessons. I studied Irish for several years in my undergrad at the University of Arizona in Tucson, Hmm. Tucson, Arizona, and then some old Irish and modern Irish in my graduate program at Catholic University of American in Washington, D.C., but that was 19 years ago. I have been passively collecting Irish language things since then, such as your book and Our Father, anything that anyone from the band Keeler writes, even Goshkainth, when my kids were little, in hope that I would get back into it. But it hasn't worked out very well. I have Devaldra and O'Donnell, Dinian and Fuckler Bjog and several others. In my undergrad, we used Buntus Kaincha, probably because it was a critical language programme, meaning that we just had a native speaker as a teacher. So they were looking for something simple. We had to do oral midterms and finals with a professor of Irish that they would fly in for the occasion. Terrifying. That is terrifying, my gosh. In short, my Irish is terrible, considering how long I studied it, but above basic. Do you have any suggestions on programmes to teach new learners with? Although I love Buntu's counter for things like Call with Sean, with the drawing of a little kid under the table smoking, it isn't really laid out to teach pronunciation of written Irish and such. Duolingo seems great for vocabulary, but again, not for reading and writing so much. Same with progress in Irish, Nigroja. I suppose I'm desirous of grammar and pronunciation rules because my undergrad degree is in linguistics and I've always been better at the puzzle aspect of languages, trying to figure them out rather than speaking them. My conversational Irish was always shite. I'm like a deer in the headlights. Anyway, any and all suggestions would be greatly appreciated. And if you've answered this on one of your podcasts, just point me to it. I've started from the beginning, so I'm far up to date with all of your episodes. Gurv Mila Motogwiv Slon Mindy. P.S. Just listened to the Tawn and Cranicilla episodes and immediately ordered on Tawn graphic novel. I already have the Irish version and Kinsella's and both the translations of Cranicilla from Antropolara. Thanks. Excellent. Thank you very mm. much, Mindy. Yeah, thanks, Mindy. Uh, great choice, by the way. The Time Graphic Novel rocks. It's absolutely class. Um, there is there's a brilliant resource available, completely free, online from DCU. There's an entry-level Irish course. It's mm. brilliant. It's absolutely fantastic. And it goes a little bit beyond just the reading and the the, the writing. Um, it does get into the grammar and it gets into the structure of the language. It gets into the socioeconomic picture behind the Irish language as well. I don't know if it would be advanced enough for many, but it's free and it's six weeks long and it's all online, so it's well worth doing. So that's available through DCU's uh, online platforms. Um, Duolingo is great for vocabulary, but if you want to help 
with the reading and the writing of Young Help, the best thing to do is to join a classroom like Emers if there is space, because it's obviously in huge demand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like, I cannot speak highly enough of like the work Cunder and the Greg are doing all around the world in all of their Cravachy Oitula to run Irish language classes. And they will go a little bit, if, you, if the demand is there, they'll go a little bit beyond the basic conversational. Although it seems like, Mindy, like, I mean, definitely, if you're enjoying this at the level that you are, you've got a good handle on it, and maybe it's time to steer towards the conversational Irish and try and avoid that deer in the headlights feeling. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. I think the big thing here is that it seems to me that, that Mindy has a lot of knowledge and a lot, a lot of interest in Irish. And, and while she says that her Irish isn't good, it's important, first of all, to first of all go easy on yourself. It seems that she's she's gotten a lot further than a lot of people have have, have done, particularly with, um, as, with the access that might be available in Arizona. But I'd say possibly it's important to ask yourself what, you know, what do you want Irish for? Set little goals for yourself and make it forward that way. I mean, what I think that, that, that what we want to encourage to continue going forward, it's, it's, it'd be good to ask yourself, like, what do you want from Irish, whether it's more conversation or deeper reading and, and approach it that way, because I don't think it's right from what you're saying. Exactly. You know more than Ida going into college, really and truly, like, you know, the knowledge is there, but it is about avoiding that dirt in the headlights feeling. And that's something that comes with practice, which is both fortunate and unfortunate. Because, I mean, it's fortunate in the sense that it's always fun, I guess, to practice your Irish in an informal setting. But unfortunate if you are feeling a bit underconfident and all that jazz. But you will get there. You know, you will get there. Yeah, go to a pop-up Because, like, drink helps. True. It really does. <laughs> like, it just you just don't care about your mistakes when you've had five points. Absolutely not. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. Our next message is from Jessica. The sound garaging made during the Ed Walsh bit in the Hot Gale Summer episode made me laugh so hard that I choked and the chicken salad I was eating came out my nose. So, thanks for that. I'm American. I had no idea who Eamon Devalera was. I did some research. I read his Wikipedia page. And now I've learned something I didn't know before. So thank you for that. I find the podcast endlessly rewarding. Endlessly rewarding is brilliant considering how that one started and I thought we were going to face a compensation claim for <laughs> a new chicken salad because this one's ruined. It's got nose all over it. Like, <laughs> Can we, like, I mean. That's no mean feat. Like, I mean, that's like a proper. I'm to, yeah, I'm trying no, to work out the like, physics yeah. of it. Like, what part of the chicken was it? Like, <laughs> Yeah. The white meat or <laughs> this is growing like very very graphic. It's, it's like a whole it? leg. <laughs> was it a crouton? Oh, was it a crouton? That would be painful. Jesus. Yeah. Well, our thoughts are with you, Jessica. I hope you recover from your crouton-related injury <laughs> <laughs> before too long. Oh, that's nice. It is nice that, like, you know, when you mention something, we, we like. It's so ingrained in our society now. If you do junior South history, you know who Eamon de Valera is and you, you have some idea of his role or at least how he's portrayed and Garadine will tell you that that's wrong and you should re-examine that. But like, obviously, this is a podcast that's picked up all around the world. We've got people listening in loads of countries across all the continents and, uh, you know, not a lot of people know who Eamon de Valera is outside of this country. So we mention a lot of concepts and hopefully it sparks... A little bit of curiosity in people that they can they can look it up and find out a little bit more. We got a huge response to our Hot Gala summer episode, which is a couple of weeks ago. It, it's it's very quickly risen the charts in terms of one of our most listened episodes ever. We that's when we just looked at some of the hot takes about Irish during the silly season, or just during in general in the way the Irish language is discussed in 
in the Irish media. And it was great to, to have so many people saying, you know, agree enthusiastically with it or, or find it very rewarding or find that it uh, it opened their minds to things, to parts of the conversation they hadn't really kind of given full, full attention to before. Yeah, and the sound Garadine made was hilarious. <laughs> it was a great sound. <laughs> Guess that was your text tone. so thank you jessica the next mail is going to be from christopher dear you to all the team just watched a netflix documentary called the great hack and i would love to hear everyone's opinion on it as it was mental to hear about the connections between donald trump becoming president of his brexit P.S. Your books are fantastic, Eric. Keep up the great work and loving the podcasts. Gaurav Mahakut. Have, oh. have you seen The Great Hack? It's amazing. Oh, it's it terrifying, it's but it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And, you know, when, when I first saw this, this email, I was thinking, like, you know, what has that got to do with a podcast about words? And then I remember this one scene that sticks out. Benedict Cumberbatch plays um, Dominic Cummings in the BBC dramatization Mm. of, um, you know, of all of this happening. And the great hack refers to the same, it refers to the same scene where they just decided to change the wording of the campaign. And instead of take control, it was take back control. Mm. And the importance that that one word had around the Brexit thing. And it's like, it's incredible. We rely so much on social media to to market the podcast and to talk to people. A lot of people only get the access to this podcast through social media. They click on Twitter mm. links or whatever. And yeah, it's kind of scary how it can be weaponized for, you know, for, for personal gain or for, you know, in, incredible financial gain. It's a... It's a scary, scary thing. If anyone has not seen The Great Hack, go see The Great Hack. It's definitely fantastic. Definitely watch it, definitely. I mean, it's supposed to have kind of showed nobody is immune to anything on the internet ever. You know, realistically, like, it's all well and good to sit there and say from a distance, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have voted to leave and this, that mm. and the other. But realistically, there are people who were swayed. And I don't know, I suppose, like, I came away feeling a little bit more empathetic or empathic, I guess, towards people. You know, because it was so, it was just, everything was so controlled. It was, honestly, it was terrifying. It really was terrifying. The It's funny because a huge, like a lot of, um, I've received some correspondence and questions kind of from people wondering why Ireland as a, as a English speaking country has, has been somehow kind of has, has managed to duck some of this, um, some of the movements that are happening in, in Canada and America and Australia. It's important to mention that an awful lot of alt right stuff has been has actually kicked off in Canada. They've um well uh, well Justin Trudeau isn't actually necessarily from that side of the house. The fact that Jordan Peterson and the the first incel the incel movement began at the University of Ottawa and all of these things are happen kicking off in mm. in English first countries and this is this is the real danger of of social media. Like you know that like groups like incels who have always existed like people have always existed who have had this tremendous frustration with society and have blamed other people for their own self-inflicted problems but now they're networking online and it's just it's just scary like Mm. and Mm. we've seen it here we've seen it here and we've even discussed it on the podcast here you know 
people trying to utilize the Irish language or Irish culture or Gaelic culture and trying to make it about white power and trying to, you know, rally outside Google offices and throw up straight arm salutes and things like that. Like this is happening. These people are real and they are emboldened by the fact that they can speak to each other on social media. So, yeah, it scares yeah. the shit out of me at times. Mm. It is a uh, bad thing. But it's certainly the, the great hack is something I'm looking forward to watching myself and I'll see both found it so interesting and we can pass, certainly pass that on to our listeners. Yeah, so we'll do a podcast about it as soon as Derek's yeah. seen it because he's the only one who hasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought you'd you'd have done your you'd have done your due diligence, you'd done you you would have got this 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 lovely email in. Uh, and I thought you would have watched the fing program. <laughs> um you you try writing a weekly column and, <laughs> and a third book. Oh, and, I'm so busy. Oh, I'm, so busy. I'm a successful podcaster. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 Where's yeah. the tiny violin? No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. In all seriousness, no, Jack is very mm. busy. He works really hard. <laughs> Thank you, Claude. I can, I can paid all, to say that. I can always count on the D14 posse to stick up for me. <laughs> oh, that's what it D14. is. D14. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Whoops. D6W. <gasps> Classic. For shame. For shame. <laughs> Iconic. <laughs> gonna have to, gonna have to do an episode about um, postcodes for yep. uh, everybody listening in. <laughs> we should. We should do an episode about postcodes yep. because we have the worst postcode system in oh the universe. Oh my God. No, in all seriousness, anecdote time. My postman actually crossed out like the air code on one of our packages and wrote, we don't use air codes. <laughs> <laughs> we're like shoving it into like our letterbox it was honestly yeah mm. now that has to happen in an episode yeah. the, the, the postman <laughs> and postwoman hate the air codes because I guess so much there was um they took great pride in the local knowledge they needed yeah. to circumvent the complete lack of postcodes before and it became a badge of pride yeah because like they were they were brilliant like if you just put down somebody's full name and their address so long as they were not brand new to the area the postman or the postwoman would have it there mm-hmm. my my mum my tried to send uh, a Christmas card to my in-laws uh, one year and she didn't have an address uh, you know so, but she knew the general area that they were living in so she put down um, the O'Reilly family yeah. uh, Cooley County Louth and I think it was the 17th house that arrived that was the right one <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, we, because we'll probably get, uh, I know Carl Kinsel has written very beautifully about the postcodes before. I'll get you, Carl back on. Yes. yes that would be class. One of his famous Lord. chat up lines was, uh, hey girl, are you from Dublin 6W? Because <laughs> I'd, I'd like to be tearing your clothes off. Uh, uh, maybe not get Carl back on. <laughs> <laughs> In fairness, since Carl was on the show, he's gone from strength to strength and is one of the most exciting and interesting columnists in Ireland. Oh my God, did you read his column about Krispy Kreme? No, no, no. Oh my god, it's amazing! It was like it's like from a year ago. It's from. Do you remember when like the, they opened the Krispy Kreme, the twenty four hour donut oh, shop, Jesus, and yeah. people were beeping the horns yeah. at three in the morning because they were excited about getting donuts? Carl wrote about donut fever hitting Blanchardstown and how the Krispy Kreme shop had to go from twenty four hours to regular opening hours <laughs> because as a nation. We couldn't handle that much access to donuts. It's one of the best, funniest things I've ever read. Oh Google Carl Kinsler donuts. You'll, you'll you'll find it. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. It's one of the best things written in the last twelve months. And in, oh, it's fantastic. Krispy Kreme is the best performing. The one in Ireland is yeah. the best performing one in Europe. And if you read Carl Kinsler's column, you'll find out why. <laughs> There's a and this is before a couple of years back. The um, I think it was the, the Domino's and Tallow was the best, most most profitable Domino's in um, in Europe. Wow, but, but, that, but sometimes these figures are misleading because it just means you need to open a second one, lads. 
<laughs> anyway, we are now going to look. Um, we are going to receive a message from Cahill. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Hello. Before I get into my questions for the podcast, I just want to ramble a bit about my experience with Irish. Very sorry if this ends up being way too long. If it is too long, feel free to just skip down to my questions at the end, both of which still make perfect sense without the context of this rant. When I was at school, Irish was my worst and least favourite subject. I absolutely hated it. I felt like I was being forced to learn it, and being a cynical brat, I've always had the attitude of, I'll never need it, so why should I have to learn it? Irish classes stressed me so much that as soon as I dropped from honours Irish to pass, my frequent nightmares about coming to school with no work done stopped entirely. Now that I'm a bit over a decade out of secondary school, I found myself revisiting a lot of things I decided I didn't like as a child or teenager, only to discover they're not actually so bad. Mushrooms actually taste okay, and I may actually like cabbage far more than the average person. Where I used to hate watching stupid sports ball and questioned the point of them taking up so much space on the telly and in the newspapers, I now have a season ticket for Clare hurling matches. A fair bit of music I thought I was too cool for as a teenager, I was definitely not too cool for it, is actually really fun. And there's some amazingly talented songwriters working in genres I used to not consider worth my time. After so many positive experiences of giving things another chance, I decided to take on one of my great childhood fears. I was going to give Irish another go. Three months ago, I downloaded Duolingo and started trying to teach myself a cupola fuckle. I felt like I'd been tricked. One of the reasons I always struggled with languages in school was that they always felt arbitrary. Crazy irregular verbs, supposed grammar rules that aren't actually followed, spelling that doesn't align to pronunciation and so on. Nobody ever told me that Irish was one of the best languages in this regard. Maybe I had poor teachers, maybe the curriculum was poor, maybe I just didn't listen. But I had no idea that there were so few irregular verbs in Irish. I had no idea about quail the quail as lahan la lan, or how fadas actually altered the sound of the vowels meaning I no longer had to totally guess at how things were spelled. I had no idea that there were rules with when to use shevu and oru. I'm still not great on this, but I, I now know there's an answer I can look up if I'm unsure. I had convinced myself for years that Irish grammar was hard, when in fact it makes way more sense than English does. I did not have the experience that people said I'd have, where I started remembering bits as I started to learn. I mean, I really was hopeless, and I definitely consider myself to be learning and not relearning the language. But despite this, I found the learning experience easier and way more enjoyable than I expected. All this to say, I really wanted to thank everyone involved in the podcast. Your discussion of the language has helped open my eyes to all the different ways the language can be used. Lots of different resources that exist for learning and practicing it. Lots of different Irish language media that people have created and I never knew about. I still don't think I'd like to try and learn Irish in the classroom ever again, but this podcast has helped so much with learning at my own pace. It's taught me about various Irish language media that I want to experience because it's of genuine interest, not just because it's Irish practice. The podcast has also just helped me to keep my interest up. Despite enjoying it, learning a language is still hard work that takes time, but having a regular podcast relating to the topic helps remind me why I'm doing it. Gramila Mahagath. Now with my life story and that praise out of the way, a couple of actual questions for the podcast. Question one. I'm nearing the end of the Irish Duolingo course. While it's been great for getting me up and running, it's quite limited and I definitely need something else to keep me progressing. 
I've looked into TG Cahar and Orna G programs and some simple Irish language books, but it's difficult to find things that are simple enough for a relative beginner while challenging enough to help me reach a level above beginner. Do you have any recommendations for someone who is slightly more than a beginner but still a long way from fluency? This could be learning tools, TV shows, radio shows, other podcasts, books, magazines, whatever. Question two. I was one of those cynical students who didn't want to learn Irish because I'd never use it, despite also happily learning other subjects I'd never go on to use. While I know this is something you're probably sick of hearing, I do wonder if there is something to it. Most people don't use Irish day to day. Do you think the Irish language can ever be in common usage outside of the Gaeltacht and outside of language hobbyists or enthusiasts, unless more jobs are created through Irish? Do you think there'd be anything to be said for a government grant for businesses that wish to operate through Irish, despite the inevitable backlash from newspaper columnists about wasted taxpayer money? Thank you very much for taking the time to read all this. Even if this email is much too long to read out on the podcast, I'm very much looking forward to your next mailbag episode. I hope your quantity of emails containing instructions for how to run your programme or how to correctly utilise glottal stops in Mullig has reduced somewhat. Kind regards, Carl. Hey... Thank you very much, Carl. And it's, I'm really glad that you've had, your your life has brought you back to Irish, and that we have been a part of that journey. Yeah, it's brilliant. That's a really nice email. It's really I'm really chuffed. Like it's 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 fantastic to see people revisit the language because let's face it, school is is for a lot of people school is hell. Mm. Um, you know nothing nothing you learn in school. I was not a huge history fan in school. But afterwards, love history, read historical novels, you know, love reading about periods of history that weren't even on the, the history curriculum in school. Like, it's it's fantastic. Um, I mean, to, to Carl's questions, near the end of the Duolingo course, and I'm looking for stuff, um, I, I would say, because you're in Ireland, visit your local branch library and see what, what kind of DIY courses are there. Some of, them, some of them are fantastic. And the branch library network in Ireland is so good that if there is any book out there and your librarian will be able to help you find it, you can order it from any library in the country. It's just, it's fantastic. And that shit's all free. Like, it's absolutely amazing. Like, libraries are, are just incredible. I know I sound like I've just discovered the library, <laughs> but I've been a big fan for many, many years. <laughs> I always find it really, really funny. Like once a year, some influencer on Instagram discovers the library. Oh my God, so terrific. Jesus. Well, like libraries are class. Uh, and then our good friend, Oscar, Oscar Akira started this hashtag on Twitter. Highly recommended DIY Guelga. Mm. And it's like, there's stuff in there for all levels if you're in between or whatever. And then, and of course, like TG Cahar, um, you know, looking at the TG Cahar programs, it's good. I find that the English subtitles can be a little bit off-putting if you're trying to improve your Irish. So if you look at it on the TG Car player, you have the option of turning off the subtitles. And on some of their programs, you can even turn on Irish language subtitles, which is really, really helpful. Yes. And their online properties like Bluck and Moshkale are really good. Moshkale sometimes do bilingual subtitles, English and Irish concurrent. And that's really, really good for, for vocabulary and for even looking at sentence structure. It's really good. Um, mm. I don't know. Any other, any other ideas for Cahill's continuing self-education? Something I found is for something like that, it's actually good to, um, if you read it like a, for an article or watch something in, in English first and then watch it again in Irish. So watch it, watch it a second time with the Irish subtitles after watching it with the English subtitles. If you I mean it's a, it's a little bit of work, it's a little time consuming, but it, it's, it's the kind of, it's a little bit of commitment that is required to pull yourself to the next level. That's something that worked for me. Yeah. Oh, Bill Reagan, the podcast. Um, yes. Bill Reagan, the podcast is really good. Uh, just let it wash over you. You're not going to understand everything, but uh, it's just, it's, 
it's just fantastic content. It's brilliant. It's great to listen to. And, you know, there's there's a real buzz and an energy to it. So even if you don't understand it, you'll follow along pretty handy. And, like, the great thing about most podcast players, um, Spotify, Podcast Addict, iTunes, all that, you can slow down the podcast, listen to it at three-quarter speed. Yeah. Mm. It makes Shun and Sinead and Anya sound very funny. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're talking this slow, but uh, <laughs> uh, but you can listen to it and it's a little bit it's a little bit clearer then. Yeah, mm. it's good. Your mindset, Cahill, as well, is definitely in the right place. I mean, I think that's such an important thing to remember is that like Irish is not just what you hated in school. You know, like it really does extend, and that goes for any subject. In fairness, as you know, Patter was saying about history, for example, as well. But you know, yeah, it's great to hear people say that as well. Mm. You know. Um, Carl, second question: Can Irish be used unless more jobs can be created through Irish? Great point. I mean, super mm-hmm. point. And we are in the sorry situation, as we discussed in the the Hot Gale Summer Hot Takes episode. Uh, the Gaeltacht is underinvested in compared to other areas. So places where Irish is the first language are are suffering by comparison to places where it's not the first language. So people are migrating out of Gaeltacht areas and they're working in jobs where Irish is not the language of, of the job. There are some grants available for companies that want um, that want to have signage through Irish, that want to have materials through Irish and they're very good. They're not used enough but they're there. Uh, and part of the problem is that we are actually in an inverse position to the backlash from the newspaper columns about wasted taxpayer money. The taxpayer is saving money on Irish language and uh, uh, Gaeltacht employment because we're spending fucking less of it. <laughs> like, yeah. And I will I will take one issue with what Kahala said so there is something completely unforgivable in there. <gasps> Mushrooms are fucking disgusting. <laughs> God, grow up. <laughs> <laughs> I did I did I did exactly what Kahal did one time. Uh when I was in my 20s, I never liked mushrooms. I never liked the taste and I said I'm going to try mushrooms because I'm a mature individual now. I'm I'm finished school. I was in college at the time. I was like, I, You're sophisticated. I have sophisticated. I have a refined palate and they're rancid. They're absolutely rancid. They're grown in <laughs> and you can taste it off them. They're disgusting. To be fair, it is disgusting when you get a packet of mushrooms and like the dirt is like still on them and stuff. It's oh, like... you're supposed to wash them. I know oh, that I know. Much. Yeah. I know you're supposed to wash <laughs> thank them. Thank you. Thank you <laughs> for just, that. Just in case. Just in case you hadn't tried that. Like. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, God, first with the chicken up the nose and now, like, <laughs> dirt off the mushrooms. It's a lovely show. It certainly is. We are having a food-related adventure. I personally enjoy mushrooms quite a bit. I enjoy a mushroom, too. I'm mad about them. I'm stadious. No. Have you ever put a mushroom in a cuddle? What? No! <laughs> <laughs> Would you put a mushroom in a stew? Yeah. yeah. Does it not become a bourguignon? Beef Guinness stew or, or beef bourguignon, yeah. But, but I mean, a, a bourguignon and an Irish stew are worlds apart. But like, strictly speaking, spaghetti bolognese, like you're kind of stewing it in a way. Because like, yeah, I wouldn't put mushrooms in bolognese. What? All right, for a start, right? <laughs> I have a serious issue with the sorry excuse for a bolognese we have in these islands, right? Because like, if you've ever been to Italy, if you've ever had what they call in Bologna a ragu, a ragu bolognese, it's not a tomato sauce; it's a meat sauce. You cook the meat down until it's a sloppy paste and it's delicious. It's usually half pork, half beef. It's done with a lot of red wine and a little mm. bit of tomato. But like here, we have this sweet, sickly, asinine tomato dish that is just, oh, Wednesday, you're dal mio day. It's disgusting. Some years back, I was um, in a house and we had um, 
it was, it was, there was an evening party. I had made a big pot of bolognese. I was putting it away and some, there was a lawyer at the party. He said, oh, do you make bolognese, do you? I said, yeah, I did. Said, did you use the three different types of meat? Because otherwise it's not a correct bolognese. A bit of veal. A bit of veal, beef, pork and veal. This is what he's saying. And I was you, like, got a, you got his number? <laughs> um, I, was, I feel like just feel I like suggested mandate, like, I was you know? suggested <laughs> basically putting him up by his ankles and uh, putting him through a meat grinder making him the third kind of meat wow no 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 whoa <laughs> <laughs> got dark I don't like people criticizing my cooking I'm an amazing cook I see you too long for the secret and forbidden <laughs> taste of human flesh <laughs> just like Nevin Maguire <laughs> <laughs> We love Nevin McGuire. Allegedly. And, uh, a, anyway. So, um, but yeah, that's, I think it's um, this guy, uh, he was, um, he, he arrived at the party, hands are hanging. Oh, one hand as long as the other. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's not cool. <laughs> when you arrive to a party, you can't, there's a way, there's a way around it. If you arrive to a party and you haven't brought anything, you've no gift for the host, you've no bottle of wine, you haven't brought your own beer or anything like that. There's a way around it. Like, there is a way. Just go there and be cool. Like, just go there and be someone people want to talk to. Tom Cohen's like, oh, bolognese, is it? You're shit at bolognese. <laughs> at one point, <laughs> he, he, we had, he had been pouring a glass of wine. He drank it. And he a glass of someone else's wine. And then he stuck, hastened to add. He, he held his glass out after his wine was finished. Like, isn't yet topping me up. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't ask. He just kind of held the glass out. Where is he today? Um, I, I assume someone's murdered him. <laughs> like, I just it's like 50-50 if there's any justice anyway we have some correspondence from Dan Ander Dan Ander we have some correspondence from Dan Ander and we are delighted to receive this message from Nav hi mother folklore I'm an Australian to Irish parents. no you have to do the accent god no please <laughs> please, please, please no. do the accent well, I actually... No, no, no. You do I'm going to be harassed. I'm going to be harassed. Hi, Mother Folklore. I'm an Australian to Irish parents, and I've recently taken up Guelga. I found your podcast by typing Guelga into Spotify search engine and fell in love. Keep up the great content. Now can we talk about Sylvanian families? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because no joke, in your episode 89, The Sive Mind, you were all on about them, but for the first two minutes or so... I swear you were saying Slovenian families. For a solid moment, I thought there were a bunch of extorted Slovenian immigrants with large families. <laughs> and, some, <laughs> and some of them were owned and collected, even though they were too expensive. It all escalated to there, even being a risque Twitter account someone made of them. <laughs> <laughs> that changes that tongue completely. I was shook. And thought, I can't believe it. Modern slavery is alive today in Ireland. Sorry. <laughs> I'm not really going to I was shook and I thought, I can't believe it. Modern slavery is alive today in Ireland. Those poor Slovenian families. <laughs> I clued on after a bit and realised my mistake. Made for a great laugh, though. I love the podcast. Thank you for all the great crack. No. <laughs> Oh God! I couldn't get through that without laughing. I don't know. Hasht- that was very hashtag funny. free the Slovenian families. <laughs> Slovenian families I'm only not, from Tommy. I'm not sure if the Twitter account you're referring to is that like one where they put the really lewd captions yeah. over. Oh, Sylvanian over Sylvanian families. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, not Slovenian. I don't know if there's one about lewd captions over Slovenian Ooh, families. Albie. There might be. No. Not big on Slovenian Twitter. No, no, not yet. I mean, we all need to. Seek justice for the Slovenian <laughs> family. 
gosh. Great stuff. Thanks, Nav. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we absolutely um, appreciate that. That's um, that, that was a really funny, uh, funny misunderstanding, and we are delighted you shared it with us. So, moving, unless we have any observations, moving swiftly on. <laughs> no, we're okay with that, thanks. I feel like you found out the least funny. I feel like you were just like, I thought it was very funny. Anyway, so we have a correspondence from, I used to know a, I used to know a girl collateral, and her her English friends called her Bovril, because they had never heard of Avril before, and then they reduced it to Bov, and her nickname was Bov, and people yeah, because it's like a but, and I was always like, how, how did you get into like Bob? But that's basically it, the English. So yeah, okay, never not at it. Never uh, not at so it. So this is not from Bavril. This is from a different Avril. Mm. This is from a different Avril. Okay, Dave, thank you all so much for Mother Folklore. I recently took up Irish again with a sense of duty after watching Robert Key's Ireland: A Television History, which, if you've not seen it, I cannot recommend enough as a detailed and balanced view of Irish English relations and because of the convenience offered by Duolingo. These alone, of course, are poor motivation for learning a language. And I think had I not come across the podcast, I would not have developed a love for the language that some months on has given me the ability to spend at least part of each day bilingual. It's a wonder to have joy in something I previously only associated with punishment and penance. And I cannot thank you all enough. I've even taken Padder's example and started a local pop-up Gwaeltacht in Norwich. I'm originally from Dublin, but have been living in Norfolk and married to an Englishman for a couple of years. We are learning Irish together and hope to move near on Rhine in the near future. My husband has even begun working on a payday-esque game, Oscailge. I'd love to hear an episode about other Irish-English couples and how their cultural heritage plays into their relationship. Mm. I also wondered if you might discuss the idea of Gaelgor visas. I know of many people who have the linguistic ability and inclination to live in the Gaeltacht, but the need for a visa means they have little to no chance of it ever being a possibility. Also, in terms of boosting the Irish language, I wondered if you might mention and explain the Fáinne pin system for all listeners' benefits. I know there has been a passing remark to them being the symbol of the annoyingly earnest, but now as Irish becomes less encumbered and more accessible, they could offer a simple solution for practising Gaelgors to meet and support one another, if they were more widely thought of. The show has mentioned the influence of English loanwords many times, and I wanted to add another way of creating new and fixing previously poorly incorporated words. I would suggest that if other methods are not fruitful, that looking at the Scottish, Manx or even Britonic counterparts might be preferable before turning to English, Greek or Latin for inspiration. My husband and I, for example, have taken the Manx for toast, Gredden, and use it as Gradden instead of the very uninspiring Toasta, with Gradine being a toasty. That said, I know, thanks to Derek's wonderful Mother Folklore chapter on lost words, that many of the words we have recently created already have much older versions. Leach, of course, being the older word for spoon, which has been replaced by spoon oak. I would so love, love, love a comprehensive dictionary of all these lost words, and all the words that simply have no translation in English. If you have any insight into exactly why so many words have been replaced by English with a fada, I'd love to know. I have a vague memory of it being associated with lazy standardisation in the 60s, but I'd love to know for sure. Apologies if this has already been explained. I'm often multitasking when I tune in, so I don't always hear every detail, but I've begun re-listening from the beginning. I've also just finished the book Mother Folklore and cannot praise it highly enough. I'm looking forward to now reading Crack Baby, but apologies if you there cover anything I've just said. 
Finally, I want to add that I particularly enjoy the Brehan and constitutional law episodes and would very much enjoy a dedicated channel on old Gaelic society and its modern implications if Emer and Garadine could be persuaded. I look forward to seeing all your names in the history books. Gormila Mahogui, Avril. Well, that's absolutely mm. lovely. That's lovely. Yeah. That's great. There's a couple of really interesting questions in there and there's a couple of really, really interesting points. And it is great. It's great to see people learning Irish and, you know, uh, it's a wonder to have joy in something I've previously only associated with punishment and penance. It's like finally getting into BDSM. You know? <laughs> Good grief. It's like finally realising there's joy in this, you know, there's happiness. Well, I, I wouldn't say Irish is exactly like that. I mean, it's uh, it doesn't have as many rules. <laughs> <laughs> What's the safe word? The safe word is like, it's cuteness. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> that would be a terrible safe word for a good bondage session, wouldn't it? God, God. You can't tell someone to be quiet. <laughs> um, fun no, mate. <laughs> fun no, mate. <laughs> Tommy Ray. <laughs> the, oh, safe word, the safe word is our car. Gwelgor visas. Gwelgor visas. Was, what was the first question? Oh, I'd love to hear an episode about other Irish-English couples and how the cultural heritage plays into the relation. That's class. I've, yeah. been, I've actually Great been, idea. I've been looking into that. We um, we had a really positive response to the Falling for Gelgor episode. Oh, that was great. That was Derek and, and, uh, Valerie. and Valerie. So and, good. Well, I was actually hoping for that to be the start of a series of couples where with an Irish, uh, Irish speaker and someone, and I was always hoping to get an English person going out with an Irish, an, okay. an Irish speaker and how that either in, either in the UK or, or, or over here to talk about how those things oh. are. We're, we're, so, Gaeilgor visas. I know many people who have the ability and inclination to live in the Gaeilgor, but the need for a visa means they have little or no chance of ever being a possibility. That's a good idea in theory, but then you look at the practicalities of the Gaeilgor right now and actually... There's a tremendous difficulty in people who have been born and raised in the Gaeltacht actually getting planning permission and being able to build a house in Gaeltacht areas. So there's a lot that needs to be ironed out in terms of rural planning and how mm. we occupy our Gaeltacht. Our Gaeltacht don't have enough towns for a start. Yeah. There's Mycullen uh, on Spidel uh, on Dangan, which is really, I and mean, it's on the edge of the Gaeltacht. I don't know if it, like, there's, just, there's not enough of them where there would be housing estates developed. Uh, and then you're looking at one-off housing and the difficulty in getting one-off housing, it, it really, I mean, there's so many people who live in the Gaeltacht who have to leave because they can't afford to build a house there, they can't afford to live there. Um, it would be great if we could encourage people to come and move into the Gaeltacht, but I think Gaeltacht visas are a long way down. We need to sort out mm -hmm. proper planning and all that. But it is a good idea that like you could sort of ease the visa process for someone who wants to come here to speak Irish because it's the only country in the world where it's spoken in any areas as a first language. Mm -hmm. So, with the accession of the Gaeltacht in Canada, big props. Big props. <laughs> big props. Uh, and then there was, what, oh, uh, yeah. Um, simple solution, Irish language. Oh, the Fáinne. Yeah, cool. So, Fáinne's, right? Mm -hmm. i, I got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't wear mine often enough because I only have one Fáinne and I forget which suit it's on. So I just I have mm. I have like seven or eight suits and I have one Fania. Mm. I don't move it around. And I don't have the same kind of problem with the Fania that people would have associated with it in the past. And it, it's kind of the Fania, the poor Fania was at one stage in the past completely beset on all sides of criticism because those who were raised and spoke Irish every day were like, Why would I need to wear that? I'm not mm. I'm not one of those Gaelgors, like, you know what I mean? I just I just speak it. And then other people are like, Oh, it's one of them Gaelgors, like, you know. Mm. 
So when Gwaelgor was a dirty word, the Fáinne was kind of a symbol for that. It's a small, if no one's ever seen it, it's a, a tiny ring that is on a pin that you wear on your lapel. Uh, you have gold for fluent, silver for uh, well able to have a conversation. And then there's a third badge, which isn't a Fáinne, and it's called Cúpla Fuckle, and it literally says that, Cúpla Fuckle. And it's a way of saying, I have Irish, I like to use Irish, and if you see me wearing this, please feel free to come up and address me in Irish. So it's a lovely idea. It's fantastic. Um, I suppose for many people, it's just, it, it is, it's, it's, it's a label. Yeah. And, and there's a problem for many people with that, but I think Conor Nguyen have done some fantastic work in trying to normalise that. Like, they've done some amazing work in trying to normalise the speaking of the language, but in trying to normalise the wearing of the Fáinne, they have an Instagram account, Humans of, on Fáinne, mm. yeah. which is really good, where they just interview people like, oh, you're wearing a Fáinne, why are you wearing a Fáinne? Tell me a bit about that, and mm. that's really cool. Um, I don't know, do, do you guys I mean, ever wear one? I don't wear one, and, and one of the reasons is that, I mean, um, I, I'm i not mad on strangers walking up to me and talking to me. <laughs> which is a, which is a real shame because there's, there's sometimes when you know I'm I'm pretty outgoing, but the, I think for me the big thing is that um there's the idea that I'm I'm ready to talk to anyone who feels like talking to me is uh has never been my bag, and I know I know that's awful, but <laughs> I'm just I mean fair like it's not you know I don't blame hmm. it at all I don't know I think yeah I love when people talk to me I love it come on up and talk you ever see me on the street come up and talk to me see your hug you're an outgoing person well, it's not well person. for some <laughs> okay yeah so I just won't wear a fawn yet because I, I um <laughs> we, was was there one more I, I, I think that's um loan words yeah loan words I think the big thing with loan words is there's um I think there's a, there's a cultural battle with loan words and that I think native speakers are quite happy to are quite confident in incorporating them whereas sometimes people who've the ideas of purity are tend to be something that's associated with uh, later converts. Would that be a fair point? Yeah, it's a fair point in that, like, for a native speaker, or for some, for a first language Irish speaker, or for somebody who uses it fluently on a day by day basis, communication is the most important thing. So, if I've like, I love this idea of a gradine being a toasty. That's a yeah. lovely thing. But like, Avril and her husband completely understand that, and they say that to each other. If I was to try and say it in a cafe, I'd then have to explain. What well, the gradient is. A good friend of mine, a good friend of the show, a good friend of the podcast, Russ Osnodick, oh, yeah. is on a f- tremendous crusade to get rid of um to get rid of loan words and get rid of English influence words out of the Irish language. But the one stumbling block that that campaign runs into is the fact that you have to explain what you mean using other terms. And when a language is about communication, you know, you walk into a, a restaurant in Connemara or in Kirkwina or wherever and you just go like Tordum Gradon Moshadahulli. Um, that's a lot longer than just saying mm-hmm. which is so yeah I don't want to have four million conversations uh, <laughs> but and again there is there's, there is a sort of an incorrect assumption that the loan words we have are just English words with fathers on them or things like that actually they do go right back to the root word of what you're trying to, to come across like, I remember mm-hmm. I remember um, there was <laughs> there was one girl on Twitter years ago who said uh, I can't take Irish seriously because the Irish for microphone is microphone I was like, yeah, but like the German for for microphone is microphone, and like the mm-hmm. the French is le microphone, and the Spanish is el microfono, and it's like it, it it's a it's a real monolink monoglot move. To yeah, well, say, it didn't yeah. all it didn't all start in English. Like it yeah. all started somewhere else, and we all have our own version of it, you know. So there was a sort of a pushback, you know, that like instead of using a word like Uspidale, people would use the word Uherlin. Which yeah. comes from Lun meaning the building and Uhr meaning the patient, the building where the patients are. Now that's lovely, but then you realize that, well, actually, we've been using the term Uspidale since the 12th century. 
So, you know, not, not, not all of these loan words are, are new. They're not all neologisms and they're not all a sign of a weakened language. They're actually a sign of strength in the language as well. Yeah, it's definitely, it deserves a larger discussion, but we are absolutely glad you brought it up. And I think we, we have two more, one of which is slightly long, one of which is very short. Um, obviously, we've seen a lot of the correspondence is very positive. We love that, but we are... We are open to more. We are open to more um, a robust criticism and uh, insights. Yeah, come at me, bro. We uh, we you know we we don't we don't recoil from them. We are and we and we certainly don't want to hide them. So I'm just going to we we um, this was posted online from uh, on Debunkor on Debunkor. So will I read? I'll read it. I'll read it. I'll okay. go real quick. <clears throat> Earlier this year, I wrote a post about the book called Mother Folklore. In that post, I stated that while I generally approved of Derek O'Shea's book about the Irish language, I felt it was marred by some extremely sloppy research. Over the last week, I've listened to a couple of podcasts by O'Shea and the Mother Folklore team. The first one was a Halloween-themed post called The Vampirish For. This podcast started well. It criticised the ludicrous claims made about the Irish origins of Dracula, which some fools have tried to link to an Irish phrase, Druch Ulla, supposedly meaning bad blood. He pours scorn on this claim and describes it as bullshit. Quite right too. However, the podcast then shows the same lack of common sense and proper research, which made the book so unsatisfactory. I have dealt here with the false claims about Avartuch, supposedly a vampire chieftain who lived in a mountainous area of Derry. As I have stated here, the genuine story of Avertuch describes this evil chieftain returning from the dead. He's later killed with a yew wood sword and buried upside down with a huge rock over his body. Starting about 20 years ago, a revisionist version of this story appeared, claiming that Avertuch demanded the blood of his subjects and that he was described as a Nyavarov and a Jarog Dooley. So this piece about Avertuch and O'Shea's podcast is basically a rerun of what was wrong with the etymological section of his book. There is one piece of bogus information denied, then a welter of ignorant nonsense lifted from untrustworthy sources without the least attempt to establish the truth. To be fair to O'Shea, it is a guest of his who recounts the story. Of course, I don't believe that Avartuk was a real person, but that's not the point. The point is that folklore is interesting and is a legitimate field of study with its own methodology. Embellishing and inventing to make the story quote-unquote better is not part of that methodology. There were other bits that were even stupider. Apparently Stoker's notes contained no books on Transylvania and no mention of Vlad Dracul. Nonsense! Stoker copied some information from William Wilkinson's An Account of the Principalities of Wallachia and Moldavia about Vlad III. He also set the first part of the book in Transylvania and makes it quite clear that his count isn't Irish. And if it's true that Stoker had a copy of P.W. Joyce's History of Ireland in his library, that is completely irrelevant because that book doesn't contain any reference to Avertuk or to any supposed Irish vampires. Well, um... Yeah. Um, um, for a start, I am livid, livid to be described as just a guest. You know, <laughs> it's it's so shady of, of Undermacor. <laughs> it's very shady of Undermacor to call, call you a guest. You, you are, have, have absolutely been a, a central part of the podcast from so early on. Um, I, and I, just, I value you so much. And oh, I value thank you. Your re- I value your research. <laughs> and I, I should I should point out, and, and it is it is very, very important that we point this out, that this is not an academic podcast. And if anybody wants to 
cite any stories that I tell on this podcast mm. <laughs> to go into a piece of academic literature without checking the sources. That would be wrong. It was a Halloween episode and I was telling a ghost story that, yes, I had completely and totally embellished. And 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 that's because that's what you do with stories. <laughs> we... We have a, we've had huge inter- our Halloween episodes. Yeah, our Halloween episodes are um, have been very popular, and we were certainly after the first one we said, "Please do another one." I remember we we decided let's get together and let's do a ghost story. We sat in our own. We found this one we thought was interesting. Um, the fact that it's a ghost story meant that I wasn't that that making sure there was factually accurate. I mean, generally, you know, ghosts don't actually exist. What? And vampires don't actually exist. So that's the first that I'm hearing about. Actually, <laughs> you know, that's, my I life mean, is a lie. <laughs> So I mean, like I'm not sure if on on, on Dumbledore is it when he's doing he's doing his um his making clay pots at night and Patrick Swayze comes up behind him and starts kissing him <laughs> on the back of the neck. Um, maybe I don't know. Um, basically, yeah. So it's I mean, ghosts aren't real, and therefore ghost stories themselves often have a, a, a bit of the Blarney in them. Yeah, deliberately. Like it was a ghost story. Like yeah. you invited me on the podcast to tell a ghost story, yeah. so I had one. I had a ghost story, and it was. And, and I thank you for it. It was very entertaining. <laughs> and uh, jo- join me, join me this Halloween for a thoroughly researched. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the next story. It's, the, it's, yeah. it's really important. It's really important. Obviously, obviously. Accuracy is entirely, entirely, and totally important. And when we're talking about very serious topics, we try and be as accurate as possible. And I completely take on board the debunkers' criticism on debunkers' criticism that this was not accurate because it wasn't meant to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's we've dealt with some very serious topics with with appropriate seriousness. We've brought on significant experts. We have a. I think I dare I say I have to, I've surrounded myself with people who are smarter than me, and it's been a very good decision. Uh, we have um, we have some phenomenal brains. People who some of the people on the podcast are very incredibly modest about their academic achievements, but I I'm, I'm not, and I've none. <laughs> I, I, I've achieved nothing. <laughs> yeah, but we're going to finish with um, just one last piece of correspondence. Which hang on, so. So this is our last piece of correspondence. We're going to end on a really happy note. It's from at that crazy CJ, Christopher James. Mother Folklore Podcast is literally the only thing getting me through work these days. Ah, that's lovely. Thank you so much. Are you going to see that as positive? I mean, CJ, seek some work-life balance, man. Yes. Like, yeah, get some... in fairness. <laughs> get some work-life balance. but take, do... take a walk on your lunch break, man. You know, take in the air. Keep listening. Yeah, keep listening. Also, keep listening to the podcast. You were asleep. Keep listening to the podcast. podcast. We are the only thing that matters to you now. Work hard. Listen podcasts. Sleep. Work hard. Don't okay. even don't even work hard, man. Don't even work hard. Just listen to the podcast. Darn toot. <laughs> so, I just um, before we wrap up, I just want to thank you all for joining us on this um, on the on the motherfucker journey so far. I'm really looking forward to getting all together again for our 200th episode sometime in the near future. Thank you so much for your company and for keeping us going. We are just really grateful to come into your ears every Friday. You the real MVP, listener. You the real MVP. Yes, you are. <laughs> Excellent. So, until the next time, is it Slon from me? A Slon from me. And it's a Slon Wemshire. Catch you later. Oh,
Folklore is a production of the Head Stuff Podcast Network and comes out every Friday. You can send queries, comments, suggestions or feedback to motherfucklore at headstuff.org. Thank you very, very much, as always, to Kirsten for the art and Brian for producing the show. Come see us at the Cork Podcast Festival on Sunday, October 13th at 4pm. Check out Cork Podcast Festival on Twitter or online for more details. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Oh, if we'd ended up like at an hour exactly, it would have been like a hundred for the hundred episode. Could have been like one. Do you know what I mean? Oh, well, yeah, but except it's 60. Mm, I know. But <laughs> <laughs> it looks nice. <laughs>